This is Bitcoin Explained, the podcast with the most boring name in Bitcoin. Hey, George. What's up? Where are you, in Utrecht? That's right. All right. I'm still in San Salvador, El Salvador. This is my last week here. Oh, you're coming back. Or are you going somewhere else? It's got to be a little bit of a detour, but I'm basically heading back to the Netherlands. Yeah, through Miami, Nashville, then the Netherlands. Sounds fun. Fair warning, it's raining here. Yeah, not looking forward to that. So in my last week here, I think we're going to do another on-topic episode. We're going to discuss the Chivo wallet. Yes. Tell me about it. Yeah, this episode will be a little bit different than others in a way. And that's also something we discuss because essentially we're talking about something that we have no idea how it actually works. Yes, but we have you in the field. You're able to try things and uh, you've talked to people. So we can learn by observing a system. But we've talked previously that it's nice when a system is open source and transparent. The Shiva system is not really that. Yeah, so we're just kind of based on my personal observations. We're sort of going to try and explain how the wallet probably works and how it doesn't work and the good things and the bad things. And then I'm going to inquire your expert opinion on all of that, George. Okay. So yeah, let's start at the beginning. First of all, everything about the Chivo app. Let me first explain what the Chivo app is, in case people don't know this. So Bitcoin became a legal tender in El Salvador a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it became a mandatory tender, which means that merchants are obligated to accept it. Now, so I far... I think that's what legal tender means, by the way. No, I mean, that, I, I know you could implement it differently, but... No, that is maybe that's not, a whole different that, debate. Well, but I want to address that because it's not mm-hmm. what legal tender means. What legal tender okay. means is that if the legal system comes into play, essentially, then any debts incurred can be repaid in legal tender. So whether that's a credit card debt or any other, like if the judge says you need to repay this person, then that's where legal tender comes in, essentially. Okay, so it doesn't come in for every payment. It only comes in for like if there's a dispute. Exactly. Usually, well, I mean, you can extend that a little bit and then the logic becomes any debt essentially can be repaid in legal tender because otherwise you just ask the judge and then the judge says, yep, you can repay in legal tender. But the point is that at first, before we even establish a contract or before you walk into my store, I'm not obligated to accept a particular type of money from you. It's only after the fact, so to say, that debts can Mm. be repaid in legal tender. That's what legal tender means. However, there are a few countries, and now El Salvador is one of them, where they go further than that and where they say legal tender also means that you are obligated to actually accept payments in this currency in the first place. Yeah, in other words, if you offer a product at all, then whoever pays it has to be able to do that using either bitcoin or the us dollars the no it's it's not even it doesn't even apply to us dollars it's only applying to bitcoin in el salvador you're not That's obligated fascinating so you're not obligated to accept dollars exactly yeah hmm. interesting right now i can go on the whole detour explaining all the pros and cons but i'm not going to do that because we're going to focus on the more technical aspects of it however i will say that because of this mandatory aspect of the law the government also apparently felt that they needed to apply a wallet that will allow merchants to accept payments in Bitcoin, but then have them automatically converted into US dollars. So that way, no one is obligated to really accept Bitcoin, or at least not to hold Bitcoin, because the government says you just need to accept it, but then it's automatically transferred to dollars, if that's what you prefer. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're avoiding, as a merchant, you're not getting the uh, exchange rate risk because the government is is taking that away from you. And they're even giving you at least some practical way to actually accept it, like a tool, like a wallet. Yeah, so to summarize it, because it's made a mandatory tender, the government also deployed this app to tell people, look, it's mandated to accept it, but you don't have to hold it. And we're going to make sure... You don't have to hold it because you can just use this app and have it converted into dollars automatically. So that's sort mm-hmm. of, I, if I would have to say why this app is even a thing, why there even is this app, it's because there was this aspect of the law making Bitcoin mandatory tender. And that is also a way to say that this app probably originally was more of a merchant app 
like that was the focus of it. But then due to some other pivots, it's now also very much a consumer app. Possibly. Or was that already the... Maybe not. But anyway, in any case, what we're talking about is essentially two apps, even though they might physically be one app. We have a merchant app that allows stores to accept Bitcoin or dollars. Well, I guess just Bitcoin. And we have a consumer app that lets people pay with Bitcoin. Dollars as well, actually. You and you, you mentioned that. You know that you can also pay dollar to dollar with Chivo to a merchant Chivo. That's also possible. Yeah. First, let me finish some of the basics. So this law was announced about three months before it went into effect. And that meant apparently or seemingly that the app also had to be developed within three months, which is not a lot of time to develop a wallet or a merchant app or anything like this. It's a short no. amount of time. I think you would agree. Mm-hmm. Who or what's developed it is a bit of a mystery. The government is not really giving any info. So the only info we have is sort of indirect or you know leaks or journalists that discovered things. It seems like the political lead, both the political lead and the technical lead are actually Venezuelans. And the technical lead has some background as a founder of like a Dash help desk company. That's one of the things that has been reported on. What I just mentioned was Alfaro. And then there's a Forbes article that suggests that BitGo has had a big part of it. There's also been leaks documents that suggest that Athena, the ATM company, had a big part of it. I had Sergey from BitRefill on the podcast a while ago, no, on the Twitter Spaces stream. He said that there was probably several companies involved, three, four, maybe five. So that all seems to sort of add up. There's different aspects of the wallet developed by different companies, and it's all sort of been glued together and now we have the chivo app that's sort of what it looks like to me and what i'm hearing indirectly yeah so that's what a chivo app is and maybe another piece of context that's useful to point out before we go deeper into the app is that people don't have to use this app you know especially for the bitcoin things of course it is actually bitcoin that people are using or can use so as a customer in principle you can use your own bitcoin wallet And as a merchant, in principle, you can use your own Bitcoin wallet. And in fact, you've demonstrated this at McDonald's, where you used, I think, your own or you used the Bitcoin Beach wallet, and you paid McDonald's, which was using OpenNode. So you were not using Chivo on any side of that McDonald's transaction you did, which became very famous. That is correct. I will say two things. There are two things to incentivize the use of the Chivo app. So you're right that it's not obligated to use Chivo app. You can use any Bitcoin wallet you want. There are two things that incentivize use of the Chivo app. First is that any Salvadoran who downloads and starts using the Chivo app gets $30 worth of Bitcoin for free. So there's a monetary incentive directly to use the Chivo app to download it, to register an account. And then the second one is that the conversion that I mentioned from dollars to Bitcoin or Bitcoin to dollars, I think it works both way is free if you use the Chivo app. Well, you know, if you use any other merchant service, then usually there's a cost involved, there's fees for conversion, and with the Chivo, that's free. So merchants are incentivized to use Chivo as well, I would say. Yeah, and there may also be some slightly different counterparty risk when you're dealing with a sovereign government versus a, a private enterprise. Of course, I will say that So the Chivo app is actually... So there's a Chivo company, and it's like a subsidiary of the government that's maintaining the wallet. It's called Chivo. I think the company is just called Chivo, but it's not clear who actually owns the company or operates it. Again, there is a lot of, I mean, I consider it a lack of transparency. Maybe that's a colored way of putting it, Let objective, <laughs> more facts. Let's just say that there's a lot we don't know. Mm-hmm. George, yeah, there's, a lot, right. there's a lot we don't know. Yeah, and so even the counterparty risk is literally unknown, right? Because we're assuming that this is a government thing and that the government is your counterparty, but it may actually turn out that, no, the government is not your counterparty. But yeah, at least, exactly. you know, you get the vote a little bit about this sort of stuff. Okay, so I think I've now said four times that these were the basics and now get into the technicals, but I lied all four times because there's one more basic thing I want to mention. There's also cool. the Chivo ATM, which, mm, you know, yes. it's, it's branded similarly What we know for a fact is that these are being deployed by Athena, Athena, the ATM producer, 
and i understand there are two types of this we're not going to get into this in detail in this episode i think but there are two types essentially or two types of backends or two types of software developed by two different companies but it's basically a tina that got the contract for the atms and there are 200 atms in the country now but it does mean that rather than the you know 10% or whatever or 5% that you used to pay for a commercially run bitcoin atm to buy and sell now you're suddenly getting it for free or at least subsidized by the government correct you can use the atms for free there's no conversion fee and yes, of course, that means that it's still not free to ship cash to and from these machines and operate them and blah, blah, blah. So that's essentially subsidized by the government. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's subsidized by the taxpayer. Another basic thing, I guess I, I keep coming up with new basic things. Sure. how do you like that? That's good. One more basic thing is that apparently the wallet has been downloaded. At the time of recording, the wallet has been downloaded over 2 million times. Of course, we have no way to verify that, but that's the numbers that has been published. So that Doesn't would... the Android Play Store publish some of that? Oh, I don't know. Does it? That could still be like a million Chinese clones. So, but let's assume the numbers through. How many people live in El Salvador? Yes, uh, somewhere between six and seven million people. So it's like one third of the country has downloaded this wallet. Yeah, and obviously, at least I think a reasonable guess is to say that the $30 airdrop you know, is an incentive to do that. Oh, I mean, I can basically confirm that a lot of people did it's become a whole thing where a lot of people we're skipping ahead a little bit but since i started my sentence i'll finish it so a lot of people are downloading the wallet and then essentially selling their 30 dollars to some friend or someone on facebook or whatever for 25 dollars in cash and then they just get 25 dollars cash in hand and then they're happy and then whoever bought the 30 dollars of bitcoin for 25 dollars of cash he's gonna collect it from like 10 people and then stand in line at one of the atms to get the money out and he made you know 50 bucks if he did that with 10 people yeah or sell it to somebody else in the line and yeah yeah so there's definitely a lot of people that are downloading the wallets basically just to cash out the funds for dollars bukele published some stats the other days which suggests that there's uh, quite a few transactions happening but I, I don't know what to think of that. We definitely can't verify these stats. I also don't know, is this one guy playing around doing like a thousand transactions back and forth from Bitcoin to dollar because it's free anyways? Or are there really thousand people paying for something in a shop? I doubt the latter because I just don't really see people using it a lot. I mean, my perspective is limited, obviously. I'm one guy just sort of walking around and half of the day I'm in my hotel room anyways. It's not like I'm doing research on the street every day, all day. But just from sort of looking around and or asking if I can pay with Bitcoin and then sort of based on the response, I can tell that I'm the first person to ask that that day or at least it doesn't happen very often. So just Mm -hmm. based on my personal experience, I don't think people are really using it a lot. Yeah, if they still have to charge an iPad, then that's usually a sign they haven't done it for a while. (laughs) Right, yeah. That's my experience in other cities, in other countries. Okay, so maybe we should start with the user-facing app and talk about that a bit let's start actually discussing the app as far as we can actually do that so yeah there is the chivo application the wallet which i have on my phone now actually some local was friendly enough to give me her app essentially access to her app so i can sort of play around with it and see how it works and see what can be done with it so let me open it right now while we are recording this podcast so I can sort of give a very short overview of it. It's loading shorts. I should have opened this before we started, shouldn't I? Well, here's the magic of editors. <laughs> we'll use the ma- Yeah, good point. All right, so it's a pretty basic app. There's nothing too interesting, I would say. It has a home screen where you can see the history of transactions. It has a conversion screen, like I mentioned, where it converts USD to BTC and back. And then it has an options screen with options. All right. The first thing to note is that there are two ways of receiving money. So one is in dollars, one is in Bitcoin. And the dollar option is basically for other Chivo apps. So -hmm. that is, if I have a dollar account and someone else has a dollar account, then you use the dollar option, and then the dollars go from my wallet to your wallet. Now, Right, so that's essentially PayPal. That's essentially PayPal, yeah, or uh, Venmo or one of these. 
And we can safely assume that hopefully the money is in a bank account somewhere and there's just a ledger entry. This obviously has nothing to do with Bitcoin or Lightning. There's no Lightning transaction. I think that's yeah, safe we, to assume. We, we can know for sure that these dollars do not exist in the app itself. They exist in a database on a server and they may or may not be backed by US dollars in the bank account to the full extent or some partial extent. Right. All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Maurizio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender. Y'all. I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into Ledin interest accounts, and you can get 8.5% on USDC deposits. I mean, I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They come up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in. They leverage it up and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish, Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the letting guys, they know what Bitcoin is like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io. That is L-E-D-N.io and learn more. Now, then there's a Bitcoin option. And if you open that, you get a just a Bitcoin address, just an on-chain address. Now, there is also, it's really hidden in the app. You need to go to like other payments methods other wallets actually and then if you go there so you sort of dig in the receive page then you actually find a lightning option so they very can. cool so it works with lightning as well and then you can send sort of same idea dollars of bitcoin and if you choose bitcoin then you can scan a qr code which can be either bitcoin qr code or lightning qr code now the first thing i'll say so far so good right I will say, however, that every time I've tried to accept funds, receive funds, that works. Every time I've tried to send funds, it did not work. Okay. Is that because this wallet now exists on two phones and that's causing some kind of error? Is it because the wallet itself is buggy? Is it because some other reason? I don't know. All I know is I have literally not been able to send any funds either on-chain Bitcoin or over Lightning. The only thing that has worked for me is sending funds to other Chivo wallets. That actually works when we were at the merchant and we wanted to send funds. That works, but sending Bitcoin either on-chain or on Lightning, literally every time I tried it, it just didn't work. Okay, so that's interesting. I would personally argue, but this is a personal opinion, that for a Bitcoin wallet, that's sub-ideal. If you can't make any transactions... Well, you can, you can receive... Right. And we'll get back to that for why that's interesting. So when you installed this app, did you get a 24-word or 12-word mnemonic that you had to write down? Excellent question, George. I did not. No. Okay, so then my guess is going to be that these coins are not really on your phone either, just like the dollars. I am basically 100% sure that you are right. And this, I mean, we don't even have to guess. Like, yes, this is obviously a custodial... Well, for the Lightning Note, you can find out very easily. If you make a Lightning invoice and your phone does not get screaming hot, then it's probably not running on your phone. But yeah, so it sounds like, just like the dollars, there is a database somewhere in El Salvador or some other place in the world that is creating Bitcoin addresses and telling the app, show this address or show the QR code. And then whenever somebody sends Bitcoin to that place, those Bitcoins go to some wallet somewhere in the world. 
and the number on your account goes up. And that's just the number in the database. But that means that somebody's hopefully taking care of these coins. But of course, you don't know. Again, you have no idea whether that's uh, you know, fractional or not. Yes, exactly. So the Bitcoin in your wallets are, I would argue, better described as Bitcoin IOUs in your wallet. You're essentially getting a promise of Bitcoin. You should be able to withdraw them to your own wallet eventually, if it works at all. But you know, you're not controlling your own keys. You're not controlling your own coins. In that sense, it it has very little to do with yeah. Bitcoin. It's like it's like Coinbase. But with lightning, some lightning support, and you can't pay anyone. You can't pay anyone. But I assume you've talked to at least some people who have been able to use the Shiva wallet to send money out. Yes, I have heard of examples where it actually did work. Correct. Right, so, because a general pattern that would have me very worried would be where lots of people are able to send Bitcoin to this wherever Chivo is, and nobody's able to send Bitcoin away from whatever this Chivo is. That would suggest that you know Bitcoins are accumulating somewhere. No, I, but it I mean, like it's more like a usability problem. Your wallet doesn't work well, but other people's wallets work better, or it's just luck. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just buggy, and because it's closed source, which you mentioned, we can't figure out what the bug is, and people like you can't help solve it either. It's just a black box, and all I know is that it doesn't work for me. Yeah, what I'm also pretty sure of, but again, who knows, but I think it's probably safe to assume that Bitcoin transactions from Chivo to Chivo are also just custodial ledger entries. It's not like, because why would you make well, an that? Well, that is something you can find out, right? So you can send, say, $10 of Bitcoin to this address that the app is showing, and then you look at a block explorer, and you start just toggling it between dollars and Bitcoin or sending it to somebody else, and... If that doesn't correlate with actual transactions on the chain, then you know something is in the database. My guess would be that the money stays in that address until some point their server is sweeping a bunch of addresses at the same time, unrelated to when you're making payments. Because they'll probably treat it as one big account. Although that depends, and this, this ties into your news article, I think there was mention of BitGo being involved. And I think BitGo at least offers services where every customer has a unique, like has a segregated account. But they may not be using that. I think the technical term is uh, is omnibus account versus uh, individual accounts. Right. So insofar that I've been able to test this, I have made one Bitcoin transaction to a merchant that used Chivo. Now, if I go into my transaction history and if I click at it, I don't see any Bitcoin address that it has been sent to. It just says an amount. For other transactions, I am seeing Bitcoin addresses. But that's inside your wallet, right? Inside my own wallet, yes, correct. Right. But if you look at that address on a wallet explorer, Bitcoin explorer, you might see something moving, but probably you will not. Yes, well, I might. But at this point, I don't know what address it originally was or how that originally... There's no way for me to figure that out now. My history does not show an address that it would have been sent to. It just shows there was a payment made to Achieve a web. So my... Yeah, but then on the blockchain, you would see a transaction around the same time. Or you don't. No, I get that. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's just we have no way of verifying that right now. That's true. One thing I'll note is that, so I mentioned the free $30 that people got when they registered their wallet for the first time. When they First of all, this does require that you include all your personal info. So obviously there's no privacy involved at all. The government knows, or at least whoever is operating a Tiva wallet knows who's paying who, when, how much. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that these first $30 were actually locked. They had a restriction on it. These first $30 could only be spent to other Chivo wallets. So the idea here is to incentivize that people would actually use these $30 to you know, buy something, to walk in a store and to buy uh, whatever it is people are buying here. And this was $30 M McDonald's. in dollars or $30 in Bitcoin? $30 in Bitcoin. So if they kept it, then the price would start fluctuating. The dollar So price it becomes start. Bitcoin the second you register the app, I guess. Yes, that's I, think that's, I think that's right. At the time you register, that's when you get $30 and it becomes Bitcoin essentially, yeah. Okay. So these first $30 were restricted, like I explained. I personally think that was a big mistake. I think it goes against the whole philosophy of Bitcoin where you can send your money anywhere you want. 
Second of all, it gave a lot of people a bad experience because anyone who walked into a McDonald's found out that they couldn't actually pay for the Big Mac that they thought they were going to be able to pay for with a free $30. Plus, a company like McDonald's and a bunch of others, they actually went the extra mile to make sure that they could accept Bitcoin on day one. They didn't wait for the Chivo app. They made sure like they want to be ready. They want, we want to make sure that all these people can walk into the McDonald's and spend their coins. And then they didn't. So the companies that went the extra mile actually were punished for that. So that was another bad thing. And third of all, I already mentioned this, it didn't even work because most people just figured out how to cash it out after all, and they did cash it out. So the $30 restriction was a big mistake, if you ask me. So the $30, you could send it to another Chivo wallet but not to an external wallet, right? So so any merchant using Chivo would be able to accept it, but any merchant not using Chivo would not be able to accept it, which Correct. is exactly the opposite of the point of, of being interoperable. Correct. Yeah, that's not ideal. After it was spent, so once these $30 were spent once to another Chivo app, then they became freely spendable anywhere, but it was this first hop that was restricted to other Chivo apps. Yeah, I, I guess we're going to have to do another episode about covenants, which... Uh, covers this phenomena right right yeah so what else about the app i mean we've talked about it it's closed source it's custodial yes so the money is not in the thing itself there appear to be some bugs i think you've mentioned a few that you're unable to pay (laughs) and we talked about the airdrop so maybe we can talk about the merchant app yeah okay so let's move to the merchant app i want to clarify one thing i i've so far sounded very negative about the wallet that's because I am. I think it's a piece of shit, George. I think they shouldn't have released something that's clearly not finished. And I don't feel like defending this at all. I've seen some people defend it with arguments like, well, they're trying something new and they rolled it out in you know, record time and give them a slack. I think, no, you're dealing with financial software. This is other people's money. There was no real reason to necessarily release it on September 7th. They could have just said, okay, look, Bitcoin is legal tender now, but the wallet is not finished. We're not going to enforce the mandatory part of the law. We're going to keep developing the wallet. We're going to roll it out as a pilot. We're going to first roll it out to a thousand people, let them experiment, blah, blah, blah. They could have done so many things, but instead they felt the need to, for whatever reason, roll it out to millions of people at the same time. And millions of people had a bad experience. I think it was a bad mistake. And I don't really see why we shouldn't be allowed to criticize that. I'm definitely not going to bite my tongue because I like the project or anything like that. Well, you're still in El Salvador. I'm not. (laughs) Yes, um, yes, well. But yeah, no, I I agree with, uh, this sounds like a reasonable assessment. This, this, I think, could have been predicted in advance that when you tried something this ambitious, because I do think it's very ambitious, it's better to roll it out more carefully. It was uh, predicted in advance. That's the other thing. It was predicted in advance. I know for a fact that several people and several companies literally told the Salvadoran government that three months is a crazy timeline for something like this. They decided to push through with it anyways. It backfired, or at least it didn't go well, as predicted. I think at this point, it's completely fair to criticize the failure that this launch has been. Essentially, you're launching you know, PayPal plus Coinbase, you know, the whole exchange mechanism, and you're doing Lightning, which is, you know, all the work that Jack Mawas and other people have done, and you're trying to explain that to a whole population, then you're doing an airdrop, which itself is very complicated. Yeah, that, this is very ambitious and not something you can do in three months. Maybe Singapore could have done it, but I don't think it's, it's a, it was a realistic plan. Anywho, we'll see how that evolves. Let's- Moving on to the merchant app. Oh, yeah, I will. Okay, so if I do want to end on a positive note, on the wallet part, I do think it is being improved. It is getting better from what I understand, even though my transactions are still not coming through. I am hearing from just other people online and elsewhere that the wallet is slowly but surely improving. So I guess that would be the positive note. Anyone who's <laughs> looking for a positive note now has a positive note. There you go. Cool. The merchant app. Okay, so obviously I'm not a merchant, and so my experiences with it has only been sort of from the other end, although at one point when a merchant was having trouble, they did allow me to actually sort of click around a little bit and see what it looked like and see what was happening sort of with that app. I can say for sure, or at least 
first of all, I thought the app looked a bit confusing when I was playing around with it. Because there were sort of two options. It was like either accept payment with US dollar or accept payment with Bitcoin. But it was not clear to me that if you accepted payment with Bitcoin, that it was actually converted behind the screens into dollars. And it was clear to me that payments to the US dollar version was not compatible with Bitcoin payments. So if a merchant wanted to accept a Bitcoin payment, but have it converted into US dollars, maybe that was the Bitcoin option. But I'm making a mess of this explanation. Yeah, I think I see what you're trying to get to. So it looks like you have to make a a payment in invoice in dollars or in Bitcoin. Because if you made one in dollars, then you can't pay it when you have a dollar balance. But if you made it in Bitcoin, then the amount would be fixed in Bitcoin. But you're thinking maybe it wasn't fixed in Bitcoin. It would be changing all the time. Or if you go to a normal like... No, let me me explain very clearly what I mean. So as far as I could tell, there were two options. Either pay in dollars or pay in Bitcoin. If I chose pay in dollars, then I literally had to pay in dollars with the Chivo app, essentially, as far as I could tell. If I chose paying Bitcoin, then I could pay in Bitcoin. But then it wasn't clear to me if the merchant would have that amount converted in dollars if they wanted to. The reason I'm unsure about this is because I wanted to do this. And then the merchant said, no, no, we don't accept Bitcoin payments, only dollar payments. So that was odd to me because... I want to pay with Bitcoin and they have a Chivo app, so they should be able to have it converted to dollars. Now, maybe that was something that happened behind the screens and maybe that was something they had in their options menu and the girl I was speaking to didn't know this. That's all very plausible, Mm -hmm. but I will say it was not very natural. Like it was not obvious from just sort of scrolling through the app. It was not super clear what was going on. No, and this is, of course, something that the merchant has to know and understand because they probably have to select something like, do you want to keep everything in dollars? Or do you want to keep half of it in Bitcoin? Or, you know, there's got to be some slider somewhere to do that. Exactly. And if there's no so, slider, then I wouldn't know what the behavior is. Right. So in the wallet app, the slider is very clear. The slider is right there. If you're accepting a Bitcoin, it lets you decide right there. Do you want to have it in Bitcoin or do you want to have it in Lightning? I did not see the slider in the merchant app, which is mm. why I wasn't sure what was actually going on. Yeah. Now, about the things that I'm a little bit more sure about is the merchant app does not appear to accept Lightning transactions, only on-chain, as far as I could tell. On-chain or maybe it was a custodial kind of thing. That's also possible. But Lightning did not appear to be an option in the merchant app. I made several payments at Chivo apps. One of them was Chivo to Chivo, like I mentioned. That one was actually quick and easy, presumably because it was a custodial ledger entry, I think. But that was a dollar transaction, I'm guessing. No, that was a Bitcoin transaction. So how does it know that then? Because you're seeing an invoice. I'm seeing a Bitcoin address. How then does it know that it's an internal thing? Does it have some sort of master list? or? I mean, we can only guess, but that would be my guess, yes. That's interesting. I mean, or it was an on-chain transaction and it's just not visible as such in my wallet. That's also possible. To our listeners, like we mentioned, this is a bit of an odd episode because we're guessing so much. And the reason we're guessing so much is because it is closed source and it's sort of the only thing we can do is guess. Yeah, well, there's some things you can actually observe in the app, right? So you mentioned that if it's a real on-chain payment, it's not going to go through. But if it's not, then it does. So, And you can use another Bitcoin app to scan the same thing and see what you're getting. To see, you know, when you scan the invoice at the shop, is it just a regular Bitcoin address with an amount? Or is there some extra information in it? Or is it not even a Bitcoin address, but some sort of website that you go to and then pay? So if I go to one of the transactions that I made on-chain back when I was working, I guess, I am seeing a receiving Bitcoin address. I see Mm -hmm. a free L blah, 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 blah. I see an address. When I go to the one that I made at another Chivo app, I do not see an address. I just see the name of whoever but i i'm pretty sure that when i was there i made the payments to a bitcoin address i think what flashed on the screen was i think was a bitcoin address so i guess next time when you go to the shop you should bring two phones or try two apps on the same phone where you scan the address with the regular bitcoin app and then scan it with the chivo app and then if you pay it with the chivo app and it's again it shows the destination on it that's very interesting indeed because then they probably map the addresses to the identities in the backend and then figure it out and actually not make an on-chain transaction. That could be true. So it could be that the Chivo app, when you're trying to make a payment first says, do I know this person? If I know it, I'm just gonna make a database entry. If I don't know it, I'm actually gonna make a payment. 
Yeah. Those things you can reverse engineer it. It's just that somebody would have to do it and make a giant wiki that precisely explains what this app is doing. Or right. they could open source it and everybody would understand it. Yeah, we are going on my personal experience and more specifically my memory of my personal experiences, which is obviously pretty far from scientific, but you know, we're, we're doing the best we can here, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Merge app does not have Lightning. We mentioned that. One thing I tried is paying with RBF transaction replaced by fee transaction. Did I mention this? So one of the tr normal transactions without RBF that I did, that went through immediately. So it seems that they are accepting zero-cough transactions if it's not an RBF transaction. However, if it is an RBF transaction, then the merchant app doesn't register the transaction at all until it's confirmed, probably. That's a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun when I was standing in line trying to pay for my groceries, where I made the payments. I mean, I knew I was messing around. I knew I intentionally put RBF on to see what would happen. So I knew. Yeah, but there's plenty of wallets that have it on by default. So yeah, exactly. So I I had RBF on just to see what would happen. Well, what happened was basically nothing. The merchant app did not register the payments at all, and of course the people that were working in the store they just thought I didn't pay. They just told me you didn't pay, even though I mean I could explain a little bit that I was showing yeah, them my wallet and then computer says no. Computer says no. I showed them my wallet and then they didn't understand it and I tried to explain and then more people had to come to our cash register and take a look at it and then someone else had to come to that spoke better English and then the line kept forming and it got longer and longer and then someone started making phone calls and then they told me to wait you know, on a bench and I think about 20 minutes later the transaction actually confirmed. Then they started to make more phone calls and eventually they said, okay, everything is good, you can go. But we can definitely conclude that the merchant app does not show the transaction at all. So it does not show the transaction in a way like a transaction has been paid, but there's a problem because RBF or anything. It just, it's as if no payment has been made. So I would say that's clearly sub-ideal because like you said, there are a lot of wallets that have RBF on by default. Yeah, and the problem of course, with or without RBF is you can't take it back or I guess you could cancel it but it means that if you then decide oh let me just pay in cash you can't do that either because now you're, you're paying twice so that's why on-chain payments we've already decided many years ago are just not the way forward and lightning is much better for this type of in-person merchant experience so let's hope you know that they'll add that later my guess is they would because it's already in the user app somewhere and I think everybody realizes that lightning is the way to go I'm assuming they're going to roll it out eventually. All I know is that right now it seems like it's only on chain. It's possible, I guess, that it's some sort of hidden future again. You know, if you dig deep through the options menu or whatever, maybe there's like a lightning option somewhere. But for sure, it's not obvious. And for sure, merchants that I've encountered wouldn't have known that if it was the case. No. So basically, it's just on chain at this point in time and not very compatible with RBF. I do. Yeah. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about the Texas Blockchain Summit put on by the Texas Blockchain Council. This conference is all about Bitcoin and man, their lineup is absolutely spectacular. Cynthia Lummis, Hester Pierce, Warren Davidson, Nick Batia, Alex Gladstein, Will Cole, that is just the tip of the spear. There are so many big names going to be a part of this event. The Texas Blockchain Council is doing an absolute incredible job, and they are 100% focused on Bitcoin and self-sovereignty that comes from adopting Bitcoin. The most sovereign place in America is Texas. Austin is the capital. October 8th is the place. Go to the Texas Blockchain Summit. You can save a beautiful 25% if you use code BTC in all caps, that is the special code for the Bitcoin Magazine audience. Use code BTC, save 25% off your ticket. Don't miss it. This is going to be absolutely sick. Peace. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about the Deep Dive. The Deep Dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium market intelligence newsletter. This is a no-fluff 
hard-hitting, incredible newsletter going deep into the market, helping you understand what's happening with derivatives, what's happening on-chain, what's happening in macro, what's happening with the narrative, and what's happening with the tech. My man, Dylan LeClaire, is an absolute savant. He is making his name known in the Bitcoin community, getting shout-outs left and right, getting on podcasts left and right, and him and his team are bringing you everything that you need to know about Bitcoin. You don't even have to be on Bitcoin Twitter. You can ignore every other newsletter. This is the newsletter to rule them all. Go over to members.bitcoinmagazine.com. Sign up today. And if you use promo code MACRO, you get a full month for free. You have nothing to lose. What are you waiting for? Sign up, see the incredible work that Dylan and his team are putting out. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. You don't pay a dime. But if you do, you know, it's going to be well worth the sats in investment in understanding Bitcoin and gaining the confidence to continue to invest in Bitcoin and making the right moves around Bitcoin. And it's going to be well worth every single Satoshi. Again, can't recommend it enough. That is members.bitcoinmagazine.com, promo code macro. Do it today. I just recalled something. So this is another bug I ran into is that you have these QR codes, of course, if you need to make a payment and usually you need to make a very exact payment, right? Like oh, it's a Satoshi precise amount. And then if you don't pay the Satoshi precise amount, then it's going to be an error and the payment is going to show us failed or something, you know. Yeah, it depends on how picky the backend is, right? Some merchants have gone pretty far in sort of dealing with user error because, for example you might have an item that's $1 and then they show you an invoice, you scan it with your, your little wallet and it says, oh, this is $1 and one cent because your wallet has a slightly different exchange rate. And then you as a user might say, no, I want to send $1. So you manually type $1 and then the server is smart enough to have some sort of tolerance there, but not right. too much because then everybody starts to game it. So it depends on how smart it is. But if it's not smart, then yeah, if there's one Satoshi too much or too little, it's going to say, please send one extra Satoshi. Or it's going to say, oh, you sent one Satoshi too much. You know, what do you want to do? Right, right. Well, I mean, the reason that I bring it up is because I've definitely had this come up with the wallets where the amount that was shown on the QR was not the exact amount that was paid eventually. I should clarify maybe that because I mentioned that I've not been able to make any payments so to clarify, I've not been able to make any payments since I copied the wallet to my own phone. Before that, we were using the same wallet, essentially the same person. And back then we made some payments that worked, like I mentioned, the Chivo to Chivo. And also this one that I'm describing right now, that payment went through, but the amount wasn't correct. After I copied it to my own wallet, it, it hasn't been able, I've only been able to receive. But you're saying there's some sort of rounding error? Possibly some rounding errors. Who knows, George? Who knows? We can't look at the source code. So who knows what the exact problem is? All we know is that the exact amount that I was supposed to send was not the amount that was sent. And that was causing problems with one of the ATMs, actually. Yeah, that could cause some headache. Okay, so we've covered the user of the Virgin tab. Maybe we can briefly still talk about the backend because we don't know anything about it. But it's good to remind the listener that... Yeah. Everything is using a server or multiple servers, and we do not know, you know who runs those servers. We don't know how their hot wallet works, how their cold storage works, how much is in it, etc. And this is a general problem with custodial services. And even if they were to do a proof of reserves, we also know from the industry that nobody checks it, or at least very few people check it. So I don't want to necessarily blame them. I mean, the best way of course, is to not use a custodial service. But one of the things a custodial service does give you is this super smooth exchange between fiat and Bitcoin, you know, especially frictionless because it's just a number to database and you want a number to be dollars or, or Bitcoin. It's one click of the button and it's changed. Which then brings the question of whether that's really happening, if they're really actually doing an exchange there, which means they're, you know, whether their asset ratios are being updated. And if they really are, whether that creates some sort of arbitrage where somebody could come in with millions of dollars and sniff little bits out of the exchange rate because of, of the way uh, it's subsidized, we'll find out. Yeah. Okay. We're discussing the backend now. The obvious thing is we don't know a lot about the backend at all. Like that's pretty far. What do we know? Not much. 
Now, again, there are things you can learn from reverse engineering if you wanted to. You can at least see what domains the app is communicating with. And then you right. can look at domain registers and see who owns these domains and who signed the HTTPS certificate. Like, is that directly owned by some legal entity? Then you can look up the legal entity and see if it's you know somewhat reasonably owned by the government or you know if it points to some entity in the uh, Cayman Islands. Then maybe you're slightly more worried. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. But you know, I would not put my life savings in an app like that unless I had the answers to stuff like that. Like, okay, what happens if this entity has a breach? You know, are they insured or not? That sort of stuff. Same with yeah. the dollar balance, right? Because that you don't know what's backing it. Yes. I actually wanted to go to the ATMs real quick as well. The Chivo ATMs. Sure. Yeah. So the Chivo ATMs I've personally used a couple times now. Sometimes they worked quite well. There are some confusing user interface things going on, confusing user experience issues. Okay, first of all, it's not Lightning compatible. There are no Lightning invoices on the ATM. It's just on chain. But there is Chiva to ATM, right? Because I think I saw people make a Lightning payment to a Chiva user wallet, and then the user making a dollar payment to the ATM, I guess, and getting physical dollars out. Is that how it worked? <sighs> Because there were people showing on the Twitters. I think so, yes. I think there's Chivo to Chivo ATM payments that are basically custodial payments, custodial ledger entries, I think. I've mostly used the on-chain payments, and they have sort of a two-step process because they're going to wait for confirmations. So you send the money, most of the cases at least, you send the money, and then a receipt is printed out with the code, and it says once your transaction has one confirmation, you can use this code to get the money out. The most confusing thing about that is that it definitely waited for more confirmations sometimes that I used it. Okay. So it says, but, but that it sounds says like one. any other Bitcoin ATM. Yes, I mean, it is. The ATM is pretty regular as far as, I mean, it's an ATM, and I think they work like other ATMs. They're just branded as Chivo mostly. Although, I, like I said, I do think there's some Chivo to Chivo custodial thing in the background as well. And some noticeable bugs that suggest that it's not just that company because they wouldn't make those mistakes if they've been around long enough. Right, yeah, about the bugs, yeah, exactly. I've encountered some bugs myself where I try to send Bitcoin and get some dollars out and it just wouldn't give me the dollars. I've had that happen twice now for two different reasons. But I think one of them was essentially a hardware reason, like the receipts, the, the printer was out of receipts or something like that. However, I also didn't get an SMS message, even though I was supposed to get an SMS message. So several things went wrong at once. Mm -hmm. And then another time I already mentioned was because the amount wasn't Satoshi to Satoshi compatible and then it didn't give the money out either. We've also heard the opposite example where someone, I think, bought Bitcoin essentially and then kept getting more and more money <laughs> for a couple of hours. Did you hear this? Yeah, the story I heard was a famous Dutch podcaster. Let's not mention his name. Right. He put in some amount of dollars in the ATM got on a plane, saw the transaction come in on his Bitcoin wallet. It's like, this is great. Then landed and saw the same transaction five times and then got on another international flight and eventually got 36 transactions and, and tried to contact uh, the president to say, hey, uh, let me know if you want this money back because you know we're not trying to rob you. But yeah, that happened. Yeah, that happened. And so that clearly... sounds like the kind of bug that any ATM operator that's been around long enough would not have because they would not be around. So that sounds like there's some sort of integration between the Shivo app perhaps and the ATM operators and something went like haywire in that integration. Right. Which is the kind of thing that can happen when you're doing a super ambitious project and you've got five companies working together. And it's quite easy to make a mistake where one program updates a database and says, you know, I've paid. And then for some reason that database change doesn't get saved and the other side is like, oh, I should make this payment because it hasn't been made yet. And it just keeps making the same payment. And conversely, money could disappear if it's not recorded that, hey, I need to send out on this amount. But those are very painful bugs. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're coming up to the end of our episode. Is there anything else you want to mention? No, I think we've kind of gone through it. I would like to see people doing a more systematic uh, reverse engineering of what this app is doing. 
Because I think by by trial and error and looking at the blockchain and looking at more subtle behavior, you can probably find out a lot more than what we were just guessing in the podcast. I already proposed some experiments in our conversation. Yeah, so I agree with that. I think this is sort of a first look kind of uh, episode. That's the best way to look at it. I did, for the listeners, just so you know, I did try to reach out to at least one local hacker that I know has been doing more experiments with the wallet. He did not respond in time for this episode. So we are going a bit on my personal experience and memories and anecdotes. There's definitely room for a more thorough analysis. Yeah, and maybe a fair warning to people who are doing that. Keep in mind there's such a thing as responsible disclosure. So if you find some behavior in the wallet and you suddenly realize that you can make millions of dollars with it, you know, don't just go out on Twitter and, and demonstrate that because you shouldn't be doing that for moral reasons and you shouldn't be doing that for staying out of jail reasons. So, you know, just be a little bit careful with that. But again, I don't even know if they have a uh, responsible disclosure email address that you can say, uh, dear Mr. Bukele or assistant, I found this issue that's making me infinite money. Maybe you want to fix this. Yeah. Well, final words, I guess. I have already mentioned this halfway the episode, but I'm just going to repeat it. I'm seeing a lot of excitement around this project in El Salvador and a lot of Bitcoiners who really like this move by the government and what they're doing and making Bitcoin legal tender. And I totally understand that. At the same time, we are talking about the Tivo wallet, which is literally a closed source, custodial, intransparent application that's pushed by a government that's not really telling anyone where the money is or anything like that. They're using taxpayer money to develop it. Like if we as Bitcoiners cannot be critical of this, then I don't know what we can be critical of anymore. The wallet's just not working very well. And unfortunately, that's the only conclusion I can draw at this point. I guess I can (laughs) mention once again, there does seem to be a little bit of improvement if you're looking for a more positive angle. I do think it's improving a little bit, even though the transactions on my own wallet are still not working. So that was uh, sort of the first look at the Chivo app, Shores. Yeah, I think that's all we've got, right? That's all we got. I think our next episode might be in person again. I think we might be able to record our next episode in the Netherlands. Exciting. Although, I don't know what the restrictions are nowadays. Am I supposed to still like, I think uh, that self-quarantine and these kinds of things? Yeah, I believe the latest rule is because you know El Salvador, both El Salvador and the United States are on the orange list as we call it. Mm -hmm. So that means you probably need to take a test before you get on the plane. Well, that's for sure. And then you, I believe you still have to quarantine. No, I don't think you have to quarantine anymore. I think they changed that. Great. This depends on on vaccination status. So maybe you don't want to disclose any of those details, but you should look it up. There's there's lots of websites that will tell you the latest rules. All right. Well, sure. Then I'll see you in the Netherlands soon. Cool. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin Explained, formerly known as the Van Weerdem Shores NATO. There you go. Bye.